Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, it's Malls. Reminder before the show to make sure that you are subscribed in Apple Podcasts. And if you're new, welcome to Please Advise Nation. Our show only works with your participation, so call 323-450-7408 with your dilemmas and life questions. Again, that's 323-450-7408 or email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com with your voice notes or emails. Thank you and enjoy. Hey everyone, it's episode 191 of Please Advise. I'm Molly McAleer. Christina Lopez is here as always. Paul J. Wagonstuff is being uh, real interesting. Yep. And we have our favorite, my favorite, Chris Farah. Hi guys. Hello. Hi. Do you guys know who Chris Farah is? You might not. Have you ever met? Did you put that together after? Okay. So I know Chris Farah through um, an old mutual friend. And then also she went to college with Morgan Murphy. So it was like double like oh wow like I already know Chris she's the fucking best yeah but I wanted to like I wanted you to explain this because Chris did one of the most magical one woman shows I've ever seen oh you are so sweet well here's the here's the tea like most one woman shows are quite sad um one most one person shows are quite sad yeah um but Chris's show do a bunch of good ones because they're characters randomly yeah yeah um but Chris created this amazing character i had never seen anything like it i believe that like chris is one of like a huge inspiration for a lot of what's going on in the drag community right now um and so i would love for you to explain to christina your show i i am a okay for this character i dress up as a bio queen also known as a faux queen Mm -hmm. it's a person that is born with female parts who decides to dress in drag as a female. So they so we I look like a drag queen as opposed to like playing a drag king or whatever. So um I my character is fancy and she's based on the song by Bobby Gentry and made famous by Reba McIntyre. Do you know it's like a southern storytelling song? Mm-hmm. It goes, "Here's your one chance fancy don't let me down." You know that song? I don't know that song. Well, but here's you the that very beautiful. Best thing is that I didn't know that song either. And like that's part of why it can it can be so funny because like this character's attachment to this song is like it's <laughs> it's so it's like it's 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 absurd. Yes. Like if you don't know it, because you're like, oh my like who like how is this person so into this song? It's like very it's brilliant, but keep going. I mean, if you had like a seven verse song that just details your like birth as a baby to making it to the goddamn top which i'll write that song for you molly like straight up it won't be as good but like just because i'm not like a goddamn genius but like i will write your life song um honey i would love that like as like a country belting like like it has themes of feminism that is like beyond and like like sex positive and just get that fucking money just like there's this is so crazy my mother used to <coughs> sing it to me as a baby she was my mom plays <laughs> guitar so 
as like a lullaby, she would sing me this song about a poor country girl turned highfalutin prostitute. She's just a prostitute, yeah. but just made a bunch of money doing it. And like she came from nothing and then just like lives in mansions. And then that's not like where the song ends. Like the final verse of it is like, she literally goes like, now in this world, there's a lot of self-righteous hypocrites that will call you bad and criticize your mama for, and criticize my mama for turning me out no matter how little we had. And, but then she goes on and just, it is just like, I don't care what you think. I fucking did it. I got out. Yeah. And it has like such a powerful message that it has always stayed with me. By the way, I like conversely couldn't have had a better upbringing. Like I had yeah. all the things. Like it's funny because I love this song so much. And like just straight up, I'll be honest, I was like raised super wealthy. Not like Paris Hilton wealthy, but like I've never had to like, you know, I live a very comfortable blessed life. I'm just being honest. Yeah. Hometown um, is Orange County, which is. Okay. But one thing that. I will say as like someone who's not you is that one thing I loved about learning about this show and discovering it is that you're not unassuming. You're very funny conversationally. You're like, like, but I also think of you as like kind of like a glam girl. Like it takes like a brave woman in some ways to do drag because at the essence of drag, there's also like a slight ugliness to it. Do you know what I mean? It's not effortlessly glamorous for everyone. And that's part of the fun of it. Yeah. So it's also I, like, what is the interpretation there? You know what I mean? Like, the right. kind of is like fe- male performing femininity. Like, what is the challenge? Of the, but I think there is something to that. Right. Yeah. But not every like woman would necessarily choose to explore that. And I didn't know what your show was when I was going to it. Um, so that was a surprise in and of itself that that was happening. But, um, like a lot of people also like are around in comedy and not everyone's funny. And I knew that you did comedy, but I didn't know. I didn't like, I didn't, um, I guess what I'm saying is, is like, I didn't expect you to be unfunny, but most people have a limit and it like hits like the the average or slightly above it. But like, (laughs) I could not believe like literally like when I say I didn't know you had it in you, I don't mean that as like a slight, like I mean that in like, expectations that is so it was so high level it was so well done it was so thought out like there's a lot of like you know especially when you say like oh like I had a good upbringing or whatever a lot of people would be like oh well then like it better fucking be good right no like Chris blew me away like this would be like if I had a kid and I gave them a thousand bucks to go do something and they came back to me with this I'd be like like how much do you need to make a movie like I'd be like this she it's uh, it was unbelievable I've literally never seen one of the most talented people I know in this town I've seen a million shows I've seen people who are on SNL now at their first live show the first time they did stand up ever and I was like that person's a star they have it and then sure enough proven right they like are working in, in this field majorly you blew me away like it was crazy. Like I could, I could cry. Like it's like, so about good. To cry. I'm about it to was cry. no. Like it's just really good. Like to see some. Like you explored an area. Oh my god. Why am I crying? I'm too sensitive these days. Like, I, I love you. I so cry. No, like, I, just, like, I can't believe you're saying this to me. And I love you so much. No, I, just, severely, I feel and I, that like, way. Appreciate it <laughs> so much. I can't I'm the only one in the room. Not this is yet. a rare. Please advise moment where I, we're so Mom, moved by the so, talent of a guest. Molly, that is so fucking kind. No, I'm but so, like, okay, I, just, I, I mean so that because, like, you know, you see, like, even like really talented people who could 
potentially achieve like what you did and like what was probably like a first effort in a lot of ways at something of that scale and they fall short of it because like they don't they don't feel like they need to the to prove all that by like doing all the legwork that you did it was it like was a beyond professional show and like you did it all yourself you carried it you created the concept i didn't know what the fuck was going on half the time but i was like laughing my ass off and then like when it all came together at the end like I didn't know you could sing like that. I like you showed off all of your strengths in a way that I've never seen like a new performer do before. And I don't know what we do with that. Like, <laughs> like I wish my answer was like, and that's why you need to do this. But like, I just think you're so talented. And how many people have you had on? How have I? I've never said that to someone <laughs> ever. But I think you deserve it. You know. Molly, thank you so Molly, thank you so much. I, love I like, you. really want to jump on top of you. You and have hug the you. softest hands. It's like have you ever washed a dish? Like you have the uh, yes, softest hands. I wear gloves. I wear gloves, yes. Oh my god. You because I, you can't you know, I do manicure since so I gotta like protect them. I wear gloves. They have cotton on the inside. I'll send yeah. it from no, Amazon. Daisy. Wait, uh, they're Mr. Clean, but they have like Oh. <laughs> I love that. You wear lotion under Mr. Clean gloves. That's Underneath so like so you can do two things at once. But you're so talented. You're so talented and I adore you and like I can't I just hope like I hope like whatever happens for you like it's as big as like you deserve. I don't even know what to say. I know like I'm a loser like no no you're so listen I'm gonna tell you this right now I can't I'm so I'm so appreciative and grateful like I didn't even mean to but like it's true like it's hard. like do I need to leave like no but no, like no. here's the thing like you know when like something's on your heart and you're like I can't like really discuss this without like getting there and then like I'm in an emotional place where I've been watching like adult children like ask their elderly step parents to legally adopt them and like just cry soldiers coming home oh that like i'm just like i'm home. a big raw open wound and then like also like when it comes to my friends and their accomplishments like that makes me so proud and so happy. And yeah. like, you know, I don't know, like I, I wish more, I'm sure a lot of stuff came for you from that. And I know you earned a lot of fans, but like, which is the most annoying expression in this industry. Cause like oftentimes what is that? What does that result in of course. having a lot of fans? Right. <laughs> like, can I have money though? Like, <laughs> yeah. but like, I, I hope that like, I wish more had come of that for you. I hope like you revive it. I like think that that is like, because you were ahead of a, a curve in a big way. Like, I remember leaving and being like, whoa, like, that's brave, like, that she did that. Like, that was, like, it It involved such commitment to a performance, like, discomfort, comfort. Like, it was, it, it, like, it, you sold something that could take a lot out of a person. And it was just very special. And to know that you wrote it all. It's, like, amazing. You know, so anyway, everyone should see Fancy. Do you have it like on video somewhere? Yeah, I have. Okay, so this version you saw was her one-person show, and then I came back and did just a, I did her as a cabaret character where she sings a song and then dispenses like some sort of life lesson and then interacts with like a Twitter feed live with people in the audience asking her questions and it's like in a very sex positive way and I can give out prizes and things like at that time like Pleasure Chest par partnered with me which was really oh, nice. really nice that's great that's the money yeah. right uh, I mean they I mean it was just an LA show so like the fact that they even gave me anything but like I had prizes for people and you know she's very like campy of course like listen I'm so thankful that you say that like what inspires me is like 
I, I worked, worked around at the Cavern Club, which is like a basement restaurant in Silver Lake, Casita del Campo. And like, I've been there. It's incredible. Yeah, it's That's incredible. really fun. The, who's the one with the camel toe? Oh my God! There's who who doesn't have a camel toe? There? It's but like that's like her Jackie costume B. is like her is just basically like full out like labia camel toe. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a prosthetic. Yeah, it's brilliant. I don't know. Um, but Jackie B performs there. You know, like it's just anyway. So camp comedy has always been my thing, and it came at a time where. Um, we were both like you know like around a place that like I had to like figure out a different way to perform because I wasn't like being able to like. Because that's the other thing, too, is that UCB, like, requires a certain thing of you. Like, all of those groups do. And, like, very rarely is, like, true expression or, like, they hint at it. They're like, we would love if, like, someone came with something different, but people know what plays there. And, like, the fact that you did this was – that's another reason why I thought, like, God, that's so brave because it was true for you. It was true to you. And it's, like, exactly the kind of thing that most people don't – like think to do they're not brave enough to do it thank you you're welcome i'll do her again you know like it's a it's so she's gonna come back and you know feed a part of my life now that was feeding me a part then but it's like been i mean it's been like god maybe like five four four or five years since i've I, I, I've hosted one night shows as her, but yeah. like did a full length show. Like I did three, I've had three. I did like a full length Christmas show that I did, you know, like. What last- if we did a Please Advise live show and Fancy opened? Oh, yeah. That would be the sickest thing ever. Because yeah. I mean, I already cried on the show about how good you are. Like, <laughs> I feel like. I would host anything as Fancy, especially for you. And like also, but like you got to like put that video up behind a paywall or something. I look like completely you. completely different than, I mean, I, I did a, I shot a full length special as her. Um, and I got to put it fucking, up. Fucking, but put on, put on padding and shit. Like, you know, you have a, you have obvious commitment to that character. Like. But like, pull it back out. It's in you. Like that. It was so. It's so in you. I think like I really I, needed this, and I'm so. I'm so thankful that it's happening on your podcast. But I love you. I just want to say. I know that, you like, can any, just go back and listen to this anytime. anytime you I, need oh, it. I'm going to. This is my new Xanax. Really? This is literally my like. I love my therapist. Don't need her. You know. I just, like, have a loop of this. We'll isolate that that me crying about you section and send that send that to you. Oh, I'm going to listen ringtone. to it every goddamn morning. Yeah. And it's every that night. Oprah Gail. It's Oprah talking about Gail Clip. She's the friend. Nobody like she's the friend everyone wants. Yeah. She's yeah, the yeah, mother. Yeah. 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 That's how I feel. Like, it's truly, like, God bless. Genius. Mommy, God bless. God bless, mommy. That's the other thing. Mommy, God bless is, like, mommy. Mommy. That is, Chris always calls everyone mommy. I heard her call you mommy when I was in. I was, like, <laughs> I was like closing the door to pee, and I was, like, ooh. I was, like, Chris, Christina doesn't even know who she's about to meet. Like, and what an intro. Like, you call everyone mommy. It's the funniest thing. Oh, I just took it as, like, I don't know. I, mommy. I don't, I'm yeah, used to yeah. Mommy. No, she yeah. calls everyone mommy, though. It's like there the are people that I wouldn't thing. call mommy. Sure, I assume. But that's like you're very it's like... like people that I love that I like. I mean, here's the thing. You didn't know me well, but I've obviously listened to the podcast, so I knew you more than you me. Like, that's why I was like, I know where you're from, bitch. You didn't Brittany tell me. doesn't know you. I didn't know you listen to Please Advise. Yes, yes, Oh, my yes. God. I, like, love when someone listens to the show. That's, like, crazy to me. It like when makes I, you a little cringy. I don't know why. I oh, get, I know. I'm like, I'm so you're sorry. You're a little private, honey. You're a little private. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Christina literally... Did you see? closes her arms. I would love to see this bitch in a police interrogation. Like, can you imagine? Imagine something out of me that no the tells that you give away. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, you can't play poker. Yeah, like no, literally. 
By the way, you cross the arms, I'm sure they'd be able to figure out where the body's buried. Yeah, they'd be like, okay, the body's in a lake. Yeah, they're like, that's just like you, like, you're so, like, you kill me. Like, you're so funny. Truthful, truthful soul. Yeah, you know what, though? Like, this is another thing, just please advise, like, life tip. Like, um, I love talking to my friends about like who like what I appreciate about them and like I don't I don't expect it back it's so nice when someone says something like back but like you will never feel bad about saying a nice thing to your friend even if it seems corny as fuck like I like try to practice that the more I get older because I'm like I don't think I always was like vocal with my friends about how much they've like really changed my life and I appreciate them I was talking to someone about this because like our relationship is like very interesting and that yeah i said this to you lately i was like i feel like we've been all about business and i haven't i haven't told i know you how much so i love sad. you i love you too <laughs> I, like, I know i need to take care of the marriage part of it <laughs> i love you for that no yeah. I, we have you seen us yet yes but oh, I, I would I'm see so it again jealous. Okay. i would see it again good i like yeah. watched um some us spoilers when i was like really drunk like two saturdays ago i watched or like that the saturday after the movie came out I was got I was really drunk on the way home from a bar. I never go to bars anymore. I went I had <laughs> shitty white wine and <laughs> that's been that. the death of me, like yeah. shitty white wine. And um I was like hammered and I was watching I started just watching us spoilers and I was like, Why are you doing this? You don't want to do this. Like you're dying to see this movie. But thankfully, I didn't remember any of them when I woke oh, up nice. the <laughs> next day. So, I, But I was like, oh, God, like you tried to ruin us for yourself last night. Like, I, lo- trying to look in the mirror. So I don't know if you're probably going to think I'm sadistic for this, but I actually read the spoilers before I went <gasps> to see the movie. Why'd you do that? Because I knew I was going to be too preoccupied to figure out, like, to, by trying to figure out what was going on to actually enjoy, like, the experience of the film, but also to, like, pick right. up on some, I like picking up on things. I don't know. Right. That's why you so, to see it twice. Yeah. So I am going to see it again because I, I, I heard a really good analysis of it on this podcast that i love called still processing mm-hmm. so i do want to i was intending to see it again just to like i don't know i, I like so the idea of a podcast called still processing yeah yeah what's that about because like that's the the beauty in processing is yeah. when you're still processing yeah you know that's when the real beauty of processing is yeah it's a what's new york it about Ta- it's a new york times podcast uh where these two uh new york times uh, Black New York Times writers, uh, Jenner Wortham and Wesley Morris. Oh, uh, fans of both. Yes, very, very great writers. Talk about stuff that is happening in culture through their lenses. So, like, us, obviously, is something that they were talking about. They did a really great episode about Lauren Hill. Yeah. They did oh. a really great episode uh, about the Oscars. Like, Oh, I'm so listening to that. Yeah, and yeah, one of my friends actually produces it. So I love that. Yeah, so I really, I really enjoy it. They're going on a hiatus right now, but the back catalog is so long. And so like definitely go out and check it out. But I need a, really a good, good new, like, I love a storytelling podcast. Like I've been listening to like Broken Hearts and I started to get into cold, but they do require like a ridiculous amount of like pure tracking. Like the best time to listen to a podcast, like you can't wash dishes and listen to a podcast like that. But I, I, I need more podcasts that have like discussion in them. That's not just like people like like I need another like please advise where there's like bumpers where there's like a something moving something yeah. or a podcast that's like gonna focus on just one subject like yeah. that's Troy's the smush room which by the way is going full on iTunes really soon Ooh. if not already it used to be half Patreon yeah but now it's going full on iTunes which I'm so Congrats, excited Troy. about and we're br- Troy earned it baby and we're bringing in a new guy named Ross um Ooh. what a new guy named Ross. Uh, yeah, a new guy named no Russ. He um, Russ. actually like has a um, 
he has like a degree in like pop culture. Oh, nice. So I'm really like excited McLuhan for that. Kind of situation? What? Like a Marshall McLuhan kind of situation? I, I don't know who that is. Uh, he was like, yeah, someone who like uh, was kind of taught about culture at large, pop culture at large, oh. uh, a cultural critic that like used to teach at Columbia. That's like the, honestly, my dream job is like getting to go back to call, like going and teaching a college about like a very like specific niche area of pop culture I'm obsessed like with. Like language, you're so good at so much, you know, like. Like as a writer, your language usage is just like Thank you. it's otherworldly. Building like your, your point of view is otherworldly. Like I don't know what you could. I mean, like you'd have to also try and teach that. Mm. And I don't like in the fact that you did it so young is like I don't know how you. My therapist said that to me this week. She's like, you know, you don't think like normal people. And I was like, no, actually, I don't know that because <laughs> I've only been in my own brain, and I I literally am so confused sometimes about like why I'm like having a con like why I feel like I'm either taking steps back in a conversation or why something is not connecting or I'm not understanding someone else. And I'm like, I I've realized that my brain, I, I, what frustrates me is I will never spend a day not in my brain. So I will never know what it's like to deal with me. You know what I mean? Or to like to, and that sounds so narcissistic, but wouldn't it be nice to know like to, to witness yes yourself no. outside of yourself for a, in, yes for a day. Yes and no, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. yeah. Like, wouldn't it be nice to see, like... I don't know. I think I'm a little much. I think of, I, I relate to what you're saying because I'm an only child. Right, same, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like, it's just, that's like the only child. I don't have a mirror. <laughs> or, like, you look in the mirror all day long and just, like, that is what your world is. Like, you right. know? Right, right. Yeah, I you have need. A brother, so I can't. I have a sibling. Yeah, <laughs> who like I have an older brother who's. Like, I was crazy. I'm crazy. You know, like that's what I mean. I guess. But there's I a way that we're our that, artists. Like, we that we have. We this is why maybe we have a lot in common when it comes to expression and having like a like a singular expression that doesn't question not to not to have it be expressed. Does that make sure. sense? I mean, here's here's my POV on it. Okay, <laughs> I just think that I I think that anyone can think the way I think if you read a lot about the same thing. Like I don't think that my perspective is like particularly unique as much as I like have to examine things from a lot of ang angles because I have have a lot of information. But you're just talking content. But the way that you're saying someone could write something that I like and then have the same content, but you're, ne but you're neglecting the way that you express it, your style. Thanks, Chris. Jesus, look at this podcast. No, I'm going to have to really brainstorm to find something nice to say about Christina. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. I love you. You know I do. I mean, like, um, I'm a fan of yours, so I know anyone. what I'm talking about. Like, your, you know Thank what I'm talking about, your Chris. language usage. You know, like, you, you're just, and also, yeah, you're very bright and observational so there's like a lot of things happening so yes of course someone who like eats the same gossip right. that you do will have the same content and might have like a similar like premise of a joke but there's or whatever idea of a joke but there's no way that it would come out the way it would if molly wrote it that is so sweet like, i really appreciate I that no i know like, no i know we should oh. we actually bring some other people into this relationship, like our callers, maybe? Oh my god! I Should love we you. like hear what we, we? Hopefully, we can compliment them as strongly as we've been kind to one another. I'd like to practice this compassion throughout the entire podcast today. I have a podcast for you, by the way, because you were all like saying your favorite podcast. Do you listen to Britney's Graham? Singular. Oh my god! You know what? I um I really wanted to do that, and then like it was not aligning for a while. Where like the girl 
either it was like first of all when I had really bad allergies last year and I sounded oh, nasal yeah. as fuck all the time um by the way like my nose has been starting to drip recently so I'm like okay <clears> great <throat> round two um I'm sorry but <laughs> it didn't start in January this year which is good um but I uh uh molly slow down what were you saying oh i really wanted to do it and then like it just kind of like misconnected and then like i think basically like the conversation just didn't pick up but i really want to do that podcast because i fucking love britney and her instagram you is need the to do it pure thing in the you, entire you world and this is the time to do it because where the fuck is she she yeah. literally i'm so sorry but she literally like she Taking fired care her, of her daddy well yeah her her andrew wallet who was like the yelp that lawyer that her dad found that's how he found it through yelp and had no other big clients who became her conservator like just quit and we haven't seen her in this talk and like des and like tess parker is literally going to the courthouse like an Wait, invest who's tess parker tess barker barker sorry yeah. tess barker is uh does the podcast with babs gray oh i'm sorry yes okay so um but they do lady to lady as well um with brandy and um but they do like the specialized just like britney's instagram that it's so you would love it you need to be on. i you love niche content that's my shit anyway we gotta take our calls yeah hey malls christina wags and guests i am trying to figure out a work dilemma right now i work for a nonprofit organization and have for about two and a half years i am um in my early 30s and i have been working consistently since i graduated college 11 years ago I love my job. I love the organization I work for. I love my coworkers, and I believe very strongly in the mission of the organization. I have a wonderful supervisor 90% of the time, but the other 10% of the time, I feel like I'm disappointing her or failing her if I make a mistake. And so it's gotten to be a very stressful work environment. We're kind of in that phase right now where I made a mistake, which in the grand scheme is not a huge deal. Um, I work in volunteer coordination, and she's just been very upset with me. <laughs> it's been a stressful work environment to be a part of. And this happens usually about once a year and I fix it and everything's fine. But it feels really awful right now in the middle of it. And I don't know why it feels worse this time around than it does otherwise. But I just wanted to call and find out how I can feel okay and forgive myself for making mistakes and for feeling like I'm disappointing people. A big part of my sense of self is wrapped up in my job, and I know it shouldn't be. So I guess another question would be, how do I find my sense of self and sense of worth outside of a professional organization? Um, thank you so much for everything that y'all do, and I appreciate you so much. And can't wait to hear what you have to say. Thanks. Okay. I'm, like, a little slow, um, and I think I I I want to know – I just – I think ultimately I understand her question, which is like how to have a life outside of work that you that makes you care more about life than your work. But um, I do think that some context is important here for me. So basically, she's been working at a non she's been working at a nonprofit that she really loves. Yeah, she's been working steadily since her you know her graduation. She's first a first job professional professional young woman. She recently like had a little um, misstep at work. She fucked up something small. Yeah. Um, her boss was an, a little bit harsher on her than she should have been. But um, basically the issue now is that the boss seems to have like some sort of grudge or pers personal issue. Yeah. And that's like, so it's affecting her day-to-day -day health, mental health. Yep. I mean, wow. I would say <clears throat> there's a lot, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely like, 
I wonder if she's a female picking up like on intuition that because of maybe past mistakes or maybe someone thinks that a, like a new blood situation would be good. Like I, I, I think that I would trust her instincts that like if something doesn't feel right to like move on. I also feel like sometimes we get comfortable in situations where the universe wants us to like move on. And so sometimes we get something to like kick us in the rear. There was something about the way she described the her situation. History. Yeah. Yeah. That made me feel like girl, like, it's time to move on. It's it almost, time to move on. there's another reason too, that kind of jumped out to me about like same, she should move on, but about like sort of this boss's behavior, yes. which is that you might not realize the impact your mistake had on her because mm-hmm. perhaps you were handling some duties that actually were hers yeah, um, and that she should have overseen more carefully. So the reason why she's more upset about what to you seems like a small mistake is because it's actually big and affects her more. And like sometimes bosses like they are, I mean, most bosses are very strategic hires and that they find people who are better than they are to do what needs to get done. That's a, that's what a good boss is. But then some bosses also take that to an extreme and become very lazy and reliant on people to run things that aren't their job. Yeah. Um, And so that could be an underlying issue because the fact that she's continued to be dark about it, like maybe maybe she's going a little bit harder on you because she thinks you need that extra attention, that you're Mm -hmm. the squeaky wheel. But there could be a reason why it's – you're, you seem very smart and professional, so I think you'd know if you were the squeaky wheel yeah. versus, like, there's a little bit of this that's just un, it's undue. Yeah. Part of me is, like, good on you for having a, a boss you, like, 90% of the time. Like, that, yeah. there's also that kind of, like, thing that I'm just, like, you can't have it all. Like, there's yeah. it's not always going to be perfect with your, like, supervisor. It's just, like, the nature of work. That's another thing is, like, don't confuse your overachieving behavior with, like, reality and like what your actual like expectation is like sometimes like if you're that straight a student who gets one slap on the wrist like it's gonna hurt a lot because you've never been slapped on the wrist before yeah maybe it is a sensitivity issue with her where she's just like never felt discomfort because she's always this is like kind of her first fuck up yeah so I feel like she obviously has to have a conversation with her boss where she's very frank and honest and goes, I tend to have perfectionist tendencies mm-hmm. and what tends tendencies, whatever. She'll say this better than I am because, you know, she is a perfectionist and then be like, I know that X and Y uh, from like last year. Cause I, and then also uh, the situation that happened like recently has been like really, you know, it was like really, I really regret it. And at the same time I would love to, a, find out how I can make it up to you and B, like, show you that so we can ultimately move on in, in our social situation and it will make me feel And I better. would say, like, feel comfortable to say, like, <clears throat> I've noticed a change in our dynamic yeah. that makes me feel like I need to repair something here. And I'd be, like, if I need to show you in a certain way or whatever that that was, like, more or less those were isolated incidents mm-hmm. and... Like, what do I what do I have to do to get back in your good graces? Sort of like, what's the missing piece here? Because like, I would be interested to know what the bosses say. Like, you consistently like sort of rush through the second part of something or, you know, you don't always read directions very clearly. Like there it could yeah. be something very small like that, that she just and she she needs to say, like, I've noticed it's affected our the way that we interact. Yeah. Um, 
I wanted to circle back on both of our observation about like maybe this wasn't the right gig for her and kind of dive into that a little bit because my sense is that like and I want people to understand this is like you can do something you can do a job good but not excel at it oh, right yeah. and that's that's an indication that that might not be the right job for you true so like you could be good at your job but are you excelling at it are you you know you don't yeah. have to be crushing it constantly but are you performing to a point that's like it jives with what are you doing it because you care yeah you know it's interesting because i want to know a little more context and she's had this job i don't know she's had the same job since she's been uh out of college for 11 years or something in the same field but her second she worked consistently in the field yes her second question is really why i think that if ultimately she gets fired or she has to leave it's this is the reason why because you're having an issue uh with your self-identity being tethered if you will, yes, um, to uh, to your job or whatever. And the truth is, you are not your job. You are not your, you know, you're not your craft. You're not one job. You're not your partner. You're not your children. You are a separate organism that lives and breathes and has like a mind behind it. So, I think that all too often, which by the way, like we all do this, mm-hmm. all too often that can be confused, and then that is a perfect reason to change things up a little bit because then you see yourself and you yeah. experience your your behaviors in a different setting. And that's more who you are. You are the sum of your, the decisions that you want, your goals, your values. I mean, it's, you know, it's so much. And But, like, one thing that really stuck with me is, like, ultimately her ending question was very telling because it sounds like she is over-invested in her work in a way that is unhealthy and she knows it. And it's it's – I'll tell you something. I've had aha moments where, like, finally something, like, developed in my personal life, like a relationship or I – you know, came became interested in like a, a hobby in a deeper way. I've been like, oh my God, like my work doesn't have to be my life. Like that's not normal. People have families, people have relationships, people have, I don't have to not have those things to be good at my job. Yeah. And like you start to realize like, oh, this is what jobs are. Like they're not an identity. It's not like, it's not the sum of my value. Like, it's not the thing that makes assigns value to me in any way. Like, it's a part of what I do. It's something I'm proud of. But I, it's, it's, you sound like a workaholic a little bit. That's what I suffer from as a workaholic is realizing, oh, not everyone lives like that. I want to touch on something because this question hits at a heart of something that's been bubbling up in the ether and I've come across a lot of things. So I have actually have reference for this. Like, I'm glad this question came in. It does have to do with a very millennial trait work-life balance yeah so what we're gonna so like i was reading a manager book that's what i'm doing these days because i attended leadership training so now it's like ooh, i get to see like how that all works because i think managing up is a really cool idea it's like instead of like becoming a manager and like taking on people that are under you it's like changing the organization from like the bottom up in a way and that kind of like fucks with me my brain in a good way i don't know But so I'm reading this manager book and it's about Gallup polls about the workplace. And what they've discovered is that uh, everyone in the world wants a good job. This is true for millennials and Generation Z. More so than ever in history of corporate cultures, employees are asking, does this organization value my strengths and my contributions? Does this organization give me a chance to do what I want to do what I do best every day? Because for millennials and Generation Z, a job is no longer a job. It's their life. And so... Uh, This also hits on a New York Times article that came out, which was like, why are young people pretending to love work? And it's something that people are noticing is that like a lot of the way millennials talk about work is like 
so much a part of their identity, period. And so if you're not a part of the like rise and grind culture, right, there's something wrong with you or like, if you, right. oh, I'm, you I'm, lack I, aspiration. Exactly. And so uh, there's a book that I actually want to recommend for you because one of the things that I've been doing is kind of analyzing everything that I do and seeing like, well, this is work. Like when I look at Twitter, that's work because I work in social media. So like that's technically work. I'm working when I look at Twitter. So there's this book called How to Not Always Be Working by Marley Grace. And it's a toolkit that like makes you kind of think about, okay, these are the things that I do in my day. This is technically work. How do I cultivate these other areas of my life so that I can be a more holistic person and take a more holistic approach? And so like what I've realized is that so much of my day and so much of what I do is tied to like my job and also podcasting in general that like my personal cultivation is so like I couldn't even fill out a bubble of things that I do for my personal life. Right. I mean, I'll say that I I will say that like um, workaholism has started to become like uh, um, like an aspirational trait. Yeah. Um, I'm a hustler. I'm a hustler. I'm a hustler. I'm yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that definitely a part of that is because of constant accusations of being lazy, um, which I think millennials got a lot because There's of that and like stagnant wages. So like yeah. we need to be making money where right. we can't, we literally cannot afford the Like bills. it's a flex yeah. to be like, guess what? I fucking worked today. Like that's a yeah. flex in our world is yeah. to be like, guess who has a job, motherfucker? And like, you know, another aspect of that too is, um, Benefits, oh my bitch. God, wait, I like, I completely... Wait, I had the best point I had. I just fucking lost it. Sorry. Um. Oh, um, <clears throat> I noticed like the last probably like I would say the last like decade or so, um, the narrative around celebrity and um, creativity, um, like something that stars have come to rely on to like sort of prove their gravitas is like you know I work at it every day I work all night my job is like my life there was nothing I couldn't have done anything else like you didn't hear like the beach boys back in the day being like you know like (laughs) I couldn't function if I wasn't playing music like I wake up and the first thing I do is I start mixing songs like I start putting down beats like I start doing this I start doing that people didn't used to talk like that yeah now I feel like people like have leaned on the idea of I I eat sleep uh sleep eat and breathe this and like that wasn't always the case and people have always looked towards like historically people have looked towards successful people and this trait that comes up now and mm-hmm. I think a lot of it also came from the from tech culture because it is normal when you're developing stuff and developing products in, in a new industry it is normal to have that startup business in your garage that you work at tirelessly it's why Elon Musk you know people talk about him sleeping at the Tesla factory it's because like if you want to be great you fucking grind and you know we've been I think robbed of like the baby boomer culture etc like a lot of that stuff was about you know we work so that we can take golf vacations we work so that we can have that Florida house we do you know and with us it's like I I want to fucking grind so I can be successful so I can go to Ibiza and take a fucking Instagram picture so people can know I fucking worked you know and and it's less about it's less about enjoying your free time. My stepdad was always someone who was very good about working to spend his money in his free time. Mm-hmm. That meant like, 
you know, he was a wealthy man and like that meant for him boats. That meant for him like never, no one ever picking up a check around him. Mm -hmm. That was like his flex, you know, because he worked very hard for what he had. Um, Now I think with millennials, it's just like, also we've been tainted off the idea of like marriage. Like we're of a no new friends culture. Like what the fuck else are you supposed to do when you're semi antisocial and, and convinced that marriage is a scam? Honestly, I'm like, oh, okay, well I'm not married right now and I don't have kids. Like I'm never going to have this amount of time to like pers- right. pursue my dreams. So I might as well grind the fuck out of it until that happens. And like in the meanwhile, the people that seem to always be living the richest lives are the people that went to Europe with a thousand dollars and backpacked around and like, you know, saved all that money. And then they quit that bad job and they backpacked around knowing they could get re like, you know, that's definitely a thing of privilege. But I also know a lot of kids who have that are broke, who have done that. And like that to me is like the true dream is like not being in work and like literally your education be is like being a student of the world. That's real wealth. Well, that's to me, culture. emotional yeah. wealth. Yeah. yeah. Chris, what did you want to say? Um, wealth, yeah, wealth is options. But I think that um, for her, I, it, it speaks to status. You know what I'm saying? Like work status, marriage status. Like you're going to, like, in order for us to grow and be individuals that contribute to society, society has taught us that we need, a, we need status. Like whether that comes with like, rich parents or like very famous parents or fame, like your fame. Fame. And in the social media, Instagram culture, like that is what we're showing or that's what influencers show is like the status they have achieved in X, Y, and Z ways. Yeah. So I think that for people like they, you know, there are a lot of people that pick as many as they can and work tirelessly at them or one or two, you know, yeah. like having it all means in this world, having a family, child status too, marriage status, yes. Work status, both like either like either my husband so you know or or both of us are killing it. Yeah. That is ideal because of a boss bitch culture. It's like yeah. we both are just killing it. You know, like having all the vacations, having all of the homes, having like all the cars, the best makeup, the best hair, like the yeah. best like access to skincare and dermatology as we age. You know, like that is what I guess society has told us to aim for. And so I understand the drive of a person to be like you know every morning like hitting it hitting it yeah. especially i mean i have a, we have a weird i mean it's a weird thing when you're like an artist and you're trying to hit like the, a talent or like something like that yeah right? but i can if i could just like have a job where i could yeah. just kill it in that way i mean i can I see myself though, falling into the trap when you say fame you're right like our i think our generation i'll speak for myself directly like i graduated into the peak and moved to la in the peak of like the kitson paparazzi culture and like now that the paparazzi is like sort of leaned off like the benefits of negative fame have like been very become very apparent I feel like kids are more now geared towards the hustle and money versus fame, which is, I think, a great first step because I think a lot of people, I'll speak for myself, like in my generation, like fame was sort of a goal, good, bad, however you came into it because that was money at the time. That's what like, you know, Heidi and Spencer, you know, but did it. But there are people that like, you know, creators and stuff who are like more focused on work that will earn money than necessarily like being on a magazine, you know, and I think that that's like a a hustle. But to answer your overall question, I mean, I would consider for me like Amazon customer returns is great and I know it's a different type of work. That's my that's my fun, though. It's always been my game. I always wanted to work as soon as I could. 
but like find something that that is the exact opposite of what you do all day at work that you enjoy and engage in that. That's what I was going to circle back to. Also, it's just like uh, we never think about our personal lives as something that we have to like really work at in terms of like to right. cultivate like the healthiness of it, to cultivate good habits, to cultivate well, self-care. self-care and stuff yeah. like that. Like mm-hmm. that's something that you actually have to be cognizant and work at. It's not going to come naturally. And so right. like really maybe take that intense focus that you have about your relationship with your boss and turn it inward and like work at developing that being more unbothered unbothered by that you know because again I also think that it might not be as personal as you know as it's coming across to you at all like yes she might feel like she needs to manage you a little bit harder but I really do think like some of the attitudinal issues like if unless you know that she does that to people when like she doesn't like them I think that there's definitely an aspect here that it's maybe not as personal as you're taking it And it won't it won't feel as impactful if you have other things in your life you care about. Yeah. Like whether that be an artistic outlet, whether that be like a physical outlet, like working out or doing something you wouldn't normally do. I fucking like apple picking, literally. I I know this is like a joke, but like that was my favorite day this whole year. Like it was just like my favorite day. And like that fuels me. Like, I'm like, I'll fucking work every day to Apple Pick next year. Like, that's like the best, you know? It yeah. feels really good. Yeah. Um, find something that makes you feel good. And yeah, like, what's your Apple Picking? Yeah, like, what are you doing out in nature? with new people. Yeah, and nature, like, off, off, often reconnecting with nature and just, like, feeling the earth or going to a beach will, like, center you in a way that is cosmic and is real. Yeah, and if you're, like, working out in the rural world, go be a little bit more cosmopolitan. If you're, like, working in the middle of the dead-ass city, fucking go out to the country. Yeah, like, yeah. switch up the environment. Like, it's in L.A., it's in particular, it's so easy to forget that people are good. It's so easy to forget that, like, it's not like this everywhere else. Like, and I don't even mean this, like, and I can sum it up in a word, but there's a vibration and a feeling here that's like you need to shake off your body sometimes. And like I never went on vacation. I never even allowed myself a trip to Palm Springs for years. My first seven years living in L.A., I never went anywhere ever except for home for Christmas. And it was because I was terrified that something was going to happen with work and I needed to be here for that. And the reality is, is that I was never, one time I was at a, I was in Amsterdam when I got a job interview and I had to do a Skype on it and it did ruin my time in Amsterdam. That said, that was the one fucking time I've ever done anything. And it was like, okay, I have to be in LA for this. And there was still a way to get out of it. So if you can like go put yourself in a totally opposite environment, you might not be as needed as you think you are. You might just be like too plugged into it and find out like, oh, the world isn't going to fall apart if I don't, if I have like, if I take the stick out of my ass for 15 minutes, you know? Yeah. Another good article to read on this was uh, uh, Anne Helene Peterson's uh, article in BuzzFeed about the generation, like generation, the millennial generation being the burnout generation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just something else (laughs) yeah because also like we don't a lot of our jobs it sounds like you don't you have a pretty structured job in nonprofit, but a lot of the millennial jobs too are like less structured yeah and and lack of structure will beat you down it's a lot less of a hard nine to five i learned i learned the most meaningful thing i've taught i think i talked about this last week that i learned in therapy was like keep like she will sit with me and like be like write down monday 
9 a.m. to 11 a.m. emails. Like, you know, like really like make me Mark Wahlberg out my schedule like hour by Mm. hour. And it has made my life so much better because I don't feel like I'm running around doing nothing all day. I'm ticking off tasks that I have scheduled in an appropriate and fair way to myself. And if there's things that I can't fit in there, maybe I don't concentrate on this second pilot yep. idea that I want to develop. I know I only have time for the first. Get, like literally like create a schedule for yourself with your tasks because oftentimes managers don't do that very well anymore. And yeah, I think that's also why a lot of millennials wind up burning out, especially if it's, you're your own boss. It's been a solid game changer for me. I've started using like a planner. So I go in the morning. My thing is like when I first get to work, I go and I open my planner and I write on like write out by hand what my meetings for the day are going to be so I know like what's ahead and like what I need to prepare for and like then I make a to-do list and then I go down it's been really really helpful to kind of grasp about all because I have a lot of projects that I manage so like it helps me keep the the spinning plates keep track of the spinning plates that, that I have going on so well, girl, we'll be thinking about you. Get back to us. Let us know oh, what you yes. land on. And um, if you find out your boss is like, you know, got like been fucking smuggling cocaine <laughs> under hours, so you've been doing your work. Uh, all right. Let's take another call. Yes. Hi, Moles, Christina, and lads and guests. Uh, I have a dirty 30s question. So, you know, partying is not what it used to be. It's more board games and bottles of wine and one of my best friends has a boyfriend lovely guy and he always brings over wine the problem is is that we have very different palettes like i like a bold red and he likes syrup um so he always wants to like be like oh let's open my bottle and so what do you think is the best way to navigate having a different taste level or palette let's just say with someone else that wants to be very generous and uh offer you something but also you don't want that kind of hangout first the next day uh let me know thank you so much and as always a very big very very big fan bye-bye well, I wish we had like a Marissa Ross moment so that she could because that's the I thought about like texting you to yeah. text her. But yeah, she was. She, yeah, she's. Um, she etiquette. had some terrible troll that was after her. It was awful. So like, I I like don't want to bother her right now either. Like, she, it was I terrible. She like detailed some fucking Facebook. evil person. So yeah. wow. anyway, um, all that said, I mean. Listen, you're an adult, and just because someone brought something over, you don't have to have a bite of it. If you were diabetic and he brought a cake over, let him enjoy his cake. Like, I think that everyone's allowed to drink what they want to drink. That said, if you would like to, you know, have a small, just say, like, oh, I'll just take like a half glass. I want to try what you brought, but I like, you know, just, I just need a half, half glass. That's it. So, what I would like recommend to you, like, I know you like a bold red, but like a summer, a chilled summer drinking wine, like a red drinking, like sort of summer wine, might be really good for you this time of year and also a good introduction to him to like sort of medium level wines. I remember the exact wine that, uh, Marissa actually recommended for an all-day red drinking wine that's actually a little bit dry. It's Beaujolais. Do not get Beaujolais Nouveau. I was going to say, yeah. Beaujolais Nouveau is not 
as good. It's also just like really you're supposed to have it around Thanksgiving when it comes out. Regular Beaujolais is a nice, like it's a little bit fuller body, but it's light enough that might please both crowds. But there's Beaujolais from that whole wine region and not all of them are the chilled red. So make sure when you're looking that you're looking for a chilled red, if that's like, if you want to like sort of bring him over to your side. Um, but I like, I mean, if you want, like, I don't know what your dry rosé maybe would be like a, a dry nice bridge. Ro- sure. Yeah. A dry rosé. Like, yeah. Get something from, um, Miraval. Code de Provence it would be like just that region is fine. Like as long as it's a paler pink. Um, I like, I like French rosés and Miraval's great. Miraval's really good. Like that's a, um, that's a good softball. But if you're looking, if you want to get more into reds, I mean, I personally, if I'm going to drink a red, I want a Malbec or a Cab. Mm-hmm. That's like my preferred thing. And by Unless the way, eating. I don't know where you are. I don't know what like um, what access you have to like certain types of wines. But like my favorite like $9 bottle of red is like Alamos Malbec. And like I know that that probably true wine drinkers out there are cringing. But like that's you can get that for like 11 bucks at the supermarket they off, it's like something that they often have deals on. I don't get a hangover from it. I do think that like, I, I feel you too, because I think that's a fair thing to say to him. Again, like if you were diabetic, you can say to him, sugary wines really affect me. So like, I'm going to have a little sip. And that's only if you want to like do the formality of drinking his wine, they all have a little sip, but like, you don't, like, you don't have to take anything into your body. You don't yeah. want, I don't know why all yeah. these adults are sitting around Drinking one bottle of right. wine. I think yeah. people get in their feelings about like hurting someone's feelings about their recommendation. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> oh no, just like that was gonna say. I was gonna say you're gonna drink more than one bottle of wine anyway. So I just be like, yeah, put me a little glass of that, and then quickly open yours. And be like, you know, we're gonna go through it. I mean, this is I maybe because I. Oh yeah, like I had something that I had something that too. If you want to like avoid the confrontation, just be yeah. Like, oh, I heard someone recommend this wine on a podcast. Why don't we try this? Oh or yeah, next I'm time. not saying being like, oh, your wine's nasty. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be like, whites give me a headache, but or or like just be like oh I brought don't worry about the wine I got something this week that you might really like there's that and there's also like hey why don't you take care of the dessert this time I'll take care of the wine yeah something like that like something where they can like you can they can still bring something and like yeah or say I got this great bottle of red I'm gonna drink that um you're more than welcome to have as much as you want or if you want to bring something that's closer to what you like feel free to bring your own yeah. You know? Self-care in your dirty 30s, honey, is about... Yes. Yes, it's about taking care of yourself. And at the end of the day, like, fuck other people's <laughs> opinions of you. And, like, he's your friend. He's just, like, joke about it. Oh, you know you like those dry Zinfandales. Like, yeah, bitch, I do. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I've never had someone in my house or, like, ever. And I, and I really don't like going to someone else's house and having a gun to my head about, oh, we're all drinking this cocktail tonight. Like, we're all drinking, I'm making blanks tonight. Like, I when someone comes into my house, I'm like, I have vodka, I have wine, I have beer. Like, I try to keep something that I know a little bit of everyone. Like, I don't I don't ever touch the vodka because, like, I just can't drink vodka at and home. And I would. But, know. yeah, exactly. But I want to have a vodka soda for someone if they come over. Drinks are one of the most obvious things when it comes to, like, a specific palate, you know? If someone came into my house and said, oh, like, I don't care for white wine, like, you know, or I don't, um, oh, I, I don't like uh, grapefruit LaCroix. I'll just have like a water. That flavor doesn't do it for me. That happens every day at my house. Every time someone comes over, I offer them a fridge full of drinks. Some people, sometimes they like one thing. Sometimes they like another. 
I don't ever have a hurt feeling like, oh, you don't like Topo Chico? Like my drink isn't good <laughs> enough for you? Okay. Well, like go get your own. I'd like to see what kind of seltzer water you keep at your house. Yeah. Like I don't have that attitude about it. So like I just, I think that like, especially if you're at a place in your life, you're still calling it dirty 30s. Like yeah. you are a relaxed person. Be relaxed about it. Like this is not, there's no need for a confrontation. It doesn't need to be like, you know, Sam and Rose, I'd like to speak to you about a violation that's been going on in my home for some time. My palate does not prefer fruity wines. I feel like you bring this wine to my house and it's it's on me to drink it. And if I don't drink it, I'm, I'm crossing our friendships. That is the most dramatic, insane conversation I've ever had. So like when when you think about the fact that like, you're afraid to even just say, no, that's not my thing, but I have this. Yeah. And if this guy's fucking weird and he like takes it personal, I'm sorry. Like that's your friend's weird ass husband. And like. He has tacky taste in wine. Yeah. And then that's, <laughs> and that's what it is. That's the beginning and end of it. Because I know that for a fact that <laughs> if someone comes to my house and they say that has too much sugar in it, yeah. I can't drink it. My reaction to that would be like, oh, by all means. Yeah. Like, literally, what else can I make you? Because, like, inflicting a, something that makes someone feel terrible diet on a dietary basis, if you're too afraid to stand up for yourself in that respect, this, this man's a psychotic person. Yeah. And, like, you just need to know that about him and, and learn how to d- adapt to that situation, which yeah. is, okay, my friend's actually married to a lunatic and it's not about the wine. <laughs> yeah. And how do we manage this long term that he wants to do things to my body that I don't want done? Right. You know, take care of yourself because no one else will. And then the second most important rule is you do you, boo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any wine recommendations, Chris? Um, I mean, I like a Malbec too. I don't have like certain, let's see. I can I mean, look at Silver Lake wine right now and see like some descriptions. Think, let me like see if there's anything. Justin that- Isosceles is really, really good. Um, Stag's Leap won a bunch of awards. I feel like if you can get like a Stag's Leap yeah. of a certain type. I mean, these are like dream. You know, these are like the stuff I would like get like if we were all celebrating something at a restaurant, you know? Yeah. Go check out Marissa A. Ross's website and see. And, I, you know, and also she has a lot of like obscure wines. Like I will say that like one thing that I'll never forget, like my mom and stepdad like sort of drilled into me was they always buy J-Lore. Like they would mm-hmm. buy it like in cases. And I remember being like, mom, this is like a grocery store wine. Like what the fuck? And she was like. No, she's like, this is actually a very good, like, standard table wine. Like, it's, like, $20 a bottle. Like, this is, like, there's no shame in, like, not having a fucking fancy-ass wine. Like, yeah. you can have a good bottle of a lot of different types of wine. I'm going to go to the... Oh, like, that at a supermarket wine moment. Like, I enjoy, no, like, a that's 3B7 I... uh, Noble Vines moment, which is, like, uh, their Cabernet Sauvignon. Josh Wines is actually pretty decent. You know, this is a, another thing is that most people, Josh Wines are good, actually. Yeah. The, um, the, my opinion on this is that most people only really have access to grocery stores yeah. and, like, maybe some specialty shops. But we in L.A. have a very um, – It's, ins- we're, we, it's yeah. like, it's insane how, how many wine shops and, like – Cheese shops, honey. Even, like, the, the supermarket markets here carry really great yeah. wines because we have such a wine community. A- Alias Pinot Noir at Silver Lake Wine right now is actually very good. I've had this 100% Pinot Noir fruit in this rather impressive wine for the price. Sourcing for mostly the Mendocino region as well as Sonoma. This wine offers ripe, pretty uh, Pinot fruit with great balance and freshness. 
Like that sounds like a dope ass wine. Yeah. Um oh, this is like a like a a nice like um this wine from Portugal, Doral Red uh 2015. Um basically most grapes I had never heard of in this blend. Uh this red is no exception showing eight different local grapes, light, dry, very good table wine. Like I think honestly like a nice red table wine you can't go wrong with like with table wine I would go a little bit higher end because table wine is basically just yeah. like a mishmash yeah. but that's what what good comes from a mishmash is that it's meant to appease a lot of people yeah, I actually yeah. don't mind a blend I love a blend I yeah. love a blend yeah I have to stay away from Chardonnay and there's one wine that I've been ordering from Silver Lake Wine that I can never order again it makes me ill Oh, wow. So you have to like it's something about maybe the the way that they deal with the grapes that it's like a little fucked up for me. But yeah, just do some experimentation, figure out what you like. You know, when you know, go sample wines. Like there's there's got to be a wine bar in almost any city, and I know actually Whole Foods in a lot of cities does wine sampling. Yeah. So check out Whole Foods for like a nice bottle of red. Ask the wine staff at like Whole Foods is very knowledgeable, and also the wine staff at Trader Joe's is pretty knowledgeable as well. Absolutely. So, you know, and, and Trader Joe's and Whole Foods both have more diverse selections than your average grocery store anyway. Yeah. So those are probably the best places to check in any given city. Yeah, you can get Bonterra there as organic and like doesn't have sulfates. You know, find out what you want. And you can do a wine tasting with your friends and then maybe you can like give some of that knowledge to someone there. That That's needs a it. great idea for yeah. a party is everyone brings a bottle. And and every like put together a big ass group and everyone brings like and a you bottle shame him. that speaks to their so- yeah <laughs> because no one will pick his wine and then well, he'll realize that's like low key high key a great way to get out <gasps> of it. That's we what you do. Yes. You cracked the case, bitch. <laughs> Congratulations, Chris. Talented in more ways than one. Okay, let's uh, take our next call. We actually have a letter. Okay, guys, this is big. Uh, we have a letter, and Fancy Jean Baker is here to read it. Special guest. Thank you so much for having me. It's a nice to meet you. Okay. Hi, Malls, Christina, Wags, and guest. I have a weird dating situation that I wanted to share and get your guys' take on it. So, last month, I agreed to go out with this guy from Hinge. Dating app, y'all. And we agreed to meet up at a bar downtown to see a band. We were having a good time and everything, and he ran into some guys he knew, so we were hanging out with them in a group. At one point, someone floated the idea of going to someone's house. Well, I told my date I wouldn't go to someone's house, but I'd be down to go to another bar, especially since the whole group was guys. During some back and forth, I made a joke about the reason for me not wanting to go somewhere with them was because he can murder me. Yeah, yeah. Probably an off-color joke. I was drinking, but like, not really unrealistic thing to think about as a woman, question mark, question mark. Anyway, I lost track of my date for a bit, only to realize that he had literally left me at the bar without a single word. I later found out it was because of the joke I had made. <laughs> was I really in the wrong? Did that really warrant leaving me in a bar? I honestly don't know if this is just par for the course in dating or if I should be rethinking my sense of humor or... Maybe I'm being too sensitive. 
Sorry for not having a specific question. I really love your perspectives and would love your take on this. I'm 26 and live in Northeast Massachusetts. Hey, Miles, girl. P.S. I really do love and appreciate everything you guys do and all the hard work that goes into it. Sorry for the ramble here. That that's was like, like that's I'm so attached to that. Jerry O'Connell. It's better than Jerry's. No yeah. offense, Jerry's. Take a seat. He would say them fancy. He loves fancy. Um, He's I, a Jerry O'Connell is like is the fanciest biggest. Truly, honestly, people that like are good are funny in this town. Jerry O'Connell knows, likes, and stands. It's true. He's the biggest supporter of like. I love him. He's just very. He's very supportive. Um. So wait, so okay, the joke was just you're gonna murder that. Are you? Are you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Here's the thing: you were too discerning for them. Like you, honestly, they're looking for people a little bit dumber yeah. than you. Yep. People that aren't really gonna question going to the house. And I think something bad was gonna happen yes. at that house that Feminine night. Feminine instincts, honey. Yeah, I, I think that you got left <laughs> at the <laughs> bar. <laughs> yeah, because it became apparent. You're smart. That yeah, that you're not going to, that honestly, like, that's that kind of asshole that's going to be like, oh, she's being a fucking bitch. She's being like a fucking pain in the ass. Like, she came over and she like, wouldn't even drink, really doing blow like her friends were making out. And she wouldn't even fucking like. She didn't give me a hand. Yeah, like, like she was fuck? like fucking being a bitch the whole time. Like, that's that guy, right? Yeah. yeah. This was a hinge date that she came to meet a one a guy. Yeah. And then he saw his friends. Somehow. Yeah, right? Happened to run into his friends. And then they were hanging out as a group. It's still your date. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's why you were like being cool. Now, here's the thing. You dodged a bullet who knows how big, honey. And I want you to do something right now. I want you to pat yourself on the goddamn back. Yeah, I agree. Because you are alive and you are like doing it and you trusted your instincts. F that guy. You know you're not being Any guy worth his salt historically, but also especially now should know how vulnerable women feel, yes. should know that that is a scary situation to yes. meet a stranger online and then to have him try and take you to a second location with a bunch of his guy friends. That's a tall order. And any guy with any sort of decency, respect for women, yep. uh, who has a sister, a mother he truly loves, would, <laughs> who would he would never want to be yeah. put in that position that guy's a fucking mess. And like, yeah. not only is it like, would have something bad happened sooner, probably rather than later. Yeah. But the fact that like you concerning you having a genuine concern for your safety was some sort of buzzkill for him mm-hmm. is very scary because yeah. who knows what would have happened if you went to that house? Like truly yeah. like you were like down to go to another bar that wasn't good enough for him. He wanted to go back to the house. Yeah. Like he also just didn't honor like the framework in terms of like being on a date. One hundred percent. He could have also always planned on like getting a girl shit faced on a hinge date mm-hmm. and bring her back to the house. Yep. Like I think it's very true what you said. It's not a coincidence that he ran into his friends there. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they meet there every Saturday night for trivia. And, like, he just was like, yeah, this week I'm going to bring a fucking hinge date. Like, let's get our shit face. We'll go back to the place. Who knows? You don't know if they do drugs. You don't know, like, how hard they party. You don't know where they live, if it's safe, if it's in a good neighborhood, if you can trust these men. You don't know any of that stuff. 
Yeah. You could put that motherfucker on blast, honey. Like, I want to see a meme right now of his picture and then last text where he said that he left you because of that. And I want to see that person and no one go out with that person. I question guys that don't let that don't wait for my lift. Like, I won't go out with a guy if I like if he doesn't wait for my lift with me. Yeah. I won't go out with a guy ever again because that's like such a huge sign that even on the first date, you don't want to send someone off properly and like make sure that your date isn't like tipsy standing on the side of the road. Like that's the most fucked up thing. Like this man left you at a bar because you wouldn't accept an unreasonable request. And then like this man, like he's not going to open a door for you. Yeah. Like he's not going to. Walk on the side I had of the a street, moment the with a boyfriend I think about. He lived in like an area that was fine. It was like the Studio City area, but there was a dumpster next to his back door. And homeless people often slept in, lived around, or yep. took from that dumpster. And oftentimes they'd be people that were incoherent, you know, on drugs of some kind because it wasn't far from, I think, the last like bus stop or something yeah. on like the Hollywood run. So The train is right yeah, so there was always, like, something like, no, that's fine. Okay. Um, so, basically, one night, we were getting inside, and there was a scuffle by the dumpster, and I was like, get the door, and he opened the door, pushed himself ahead of me, and the door closed with me still outside, and he was inside. And when I got inside, I said to him, you understand that you just saved yourself and locked me out in the process, right? Like, thank God nothing happened, but your instinct was to save your life to the extent that you didn't even care if I, like, you didn't even just jump ahead of me and, like, kind of fling the door open. You, like, let the door close behind you. I am. When I was the one who told you we were in danger in the first place. Like, it it was really, really telling to me, and... But it was very far into the that's relationship. That's not a flag. That's a siren. Like, that's like a- I know. And, like, and at that point, I knew the person was selfish, but I had become so, like, used to selfishness that, like, yeah. this was just another thing where I was like, well, you know, I guess, you know, whenever we're, you know, married and have kids, like, I guess, like, I'm just going to have to always make sure that I'm in front, like, when there's an emergency. Like. And the kids, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, me and the kids are just going to have to like make sure that we're by the front door first always, you know, like it was really like, and also think about like the, like the, like honestly, what scared me the most was like almost the lack of immediate remorse where like if, if they would have been like, oh my God, I am so fucking sorry. Like that is the, like that I've learned a lesson. Like, no, no, no. Like if I, I, I actually started to think about it. I was like, I bet if a person had killed me that night that he would still be more grateful that he got in ahead of me than guilty that I died because he didn't protect me. He probably would have been like, oh, man, that could have been me. Yeah, that could have been me. Not, oh, I fucking am responsible for that. Like, if any, so that said, this is a, this, you fucking caught onto a red flag, and I'm going to tell you now, do not be sorry. 
that this happened. Do not worry about your jokes. Your joke was not a joke. It was a genuine concern. But women feel like they have to soften things by saying, like, hey, you're not going to kill me, right? Like, every time we get into an Uber, like, in the back of our heads, we're thinking, like, yeah, you're not going to, like, come back, right? Like, and fucking kill me, right? Because I've had things like that happen where, like, someone comes back that shouldn't fucking come back. And it's like, yo, this is a fucking safety violation and a boundary. So women, we think like that. And men, for the most part, know that. And, like, to not honor that, Mm. you found a special kind of ignorant or a special kind of evil. And like that is something you need to not feel bad at, at, bad at all. You never knew that homeless person story, right? The dumpster story. I mean, I think you could tell by my reaction from it because if it had – Tea. If I had known, I – Spilling that hot, hot tea. Some shit would have gone down. You got some some blisters from that hot tea. Yeah, I would have had to have some words, as we say in public. Yeah. And I would not have been speaking. But – This would have been the – no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, I wouldn't be speaking if that man murdered me. So that said, (laughs) mm mm-mm, or you're killing it. You're great. (laughs) I'm like, I'm alive. You're not. Um, But all right, girl, congratulations on fucking having a brain and using it and don't feel bad about that at all. You You made a good call. Made a good call. Um, let's take another. Speaking, speaking of good calls, three two three four five zero seven four zero eight. You guys should call our show and leave messages. We need them. We are our show only works if we get your calls. I know I say that at the top, but maybe after you heard us, how we how we so brilliantly cracked that case. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, maybe there's some more unsolved mysteries in my past that Malls, Christina, Guest, and Wags can crack open. So um, call us, call us up three two three four five zero seven four zero eight. Let's take a call. Hey, please advise. Um, I'm calling with an anonymous tip. I just listened to your latest episode. It talked about the college scandal, and I actually, uh, a friend of mine worked as an assistant to one of the people who were indicted, and she got the tea. So if we're thinking of consequences, which I think you guys were talking about, um, this man uh, bribed Georgetown to get his son in as an an athletic recruit, which is pretty close to the whole Lori Loughlin thing. So his bail was set at $250,000. So he had to pay $25,000 cash and then put up his house uh, for the rest of the bail value. Um, his son was kicked out of Georgetown. He lost his job, uh, which paid him $600,000 a year. Um, his wife is a realtor and she's losing a lot of her business because people can't trust her and, you know, real estate's a trust-based business. And then he's hired, um, Mark Garagos. I hope this doesn't expose me. And, uh, he charges $1,100 an hour. So outside of like the financial impact of it all, that's just the federal charges. And he also, you know, the evil part of this is that they all deducted it on their taxes. And so he still has all of the IRS consequences. So anyway, I love your pod. I love everything you guys do. Um, I hope you find this interesting, whether you play it or not. And keep up the good work. We've talked about this scandal for like six episodes. The tea. Yeah. No, I feel so grateful she called, though. Like, I don't care because this is like fucking – this hits to – to like a huge cross section of a lot of our issues, which is that a lot of our listeners graduate into the same recession we did. Mm-hmm. A lot of our listeners are starting out their career in college, accru- uh, accruing massive debt. Yep. Um, they're like, you know, just out of college trying to get their footing, 
they're older and they know that this is like the oldest scam in the game. People have been doing it forever. These people just did it the dirtiest and dumbest you could do it. Yep. Um, who knew about the side door? I've been thinking about that. The front door, the back door, and the fucking side door is what they called it. Mm-hmm. Oof. Um, T. Yeah, I know. Okay, can I say my first thing that's going to sound incredibly shitty? Okay. Uh, yeah, you have to now. $600,000 a year is not the type of money I was expecting people who participated in this to be making annually. Absolutely. Because, like, I know maybe on a great year, he's probably saving 100000 of yes. that. Yeah. Now, I'm sure his wife is also making a pretty decent killing um, with her real estate, but... Um, you definitely like seem to have more information on the husband, which to me says that he's probably the more prominent earner in the family. So he must also be from money himself because $600,000 a year. Yes. I think any, any of us would want that job. What, like that's a fucking life changing job. It's a life making job. I wouldn't um, even want it for like the rest of my life. I would just want it for like a year so I can make that six hundred. Yeah, exactly. And then work from like work like you have money now. Well, think um, about they had to put up their house for twenty five thousand dollars. Right, and also like same with Lori and Massimo. They they each had a million dollar bail, and they had to they use. Ha- they paid the twenty five. He had to put it up for the rest, for the rest of the two hundred and fifty. No, 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 no. You pay 10% yeah, as you your bail. 10%. So he used the 25%. He used the 25% of the bail against his house. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But Lori Massimo had um one million dollar bail each, and they used their house as a as um like a collateral. C- collateral. Thank you. Um, and their house is worth 35 million. Mm-hmm. So like it's almost like these people are running a much smaller game yeah. than like anyone else. And 250,000 is a lot. That's like that's like what Olivia Jade's parents paid. So his son must be a real fucking dummy, no offense. Um, yeah. you know, because they definitely like marketed that shit to people who've really needed the help. You yeah. know, like if your kid needed a SAT answer changed, probably we're only charging you a hundred thousand. When you're getting to 250, that's the big league, you know, yeah. shit. This is amazing tea. I mean, you're going to have to bring in Mark Garagos or whatever because, yes, $1,100 an hour lawyer, well, lawyer fee is insane. That said, you know they're being sued for $500 billion, right? Yeah. By one of the families that, like, a student that didn't get into USC is suing. Had all of big SATs and, like, a, like, 4.2 GPA. $500 billion with a b that is like i know you have to come in with like the most insane ask ever in order to like even get you know five million or something you have to come in at like 250 or five five hundred billion but like that is oof the t the t i remember just being like you know when i went to college like late 90s, early 2000s, or high school, I'm sorry. Um, Like, I remember trying to get into colleges and it's being like, you have to, like, do extracurricular or whatever. And I went to Modern Day, which was, like, literally a college prep, huge college prep here uh, in Orange County or whatever in Southern California. And, like, I just remember, like, people, like, being in so many AP classes and, like, most people just went to like USC or LMU, like only a handful, like actually even got into like Harvard. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. and we were a huge college prep. Like I know that the, that was the reason why I got into LMU. Like, I don't know if I get into LMU now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know it's a lot harder, harder. But there, I mean, I don't know. I wonder like, 
I don't know. I don't want to like put her color on blast because she just did such a generous thing for us. Thank you. But I do have to know. I like want to know how she's close to this. She said like her friend was like a was like a how did she say she said someone she knew was like a tutor somehow like affiliated something with, like that but we can we can we can find out off pod oh of I course can, i'm just like it's so that. interesting to think no, about no, the look it rip- up now and tell a name <laughs> like the ripples that could be happening in like every community that like you know i'm sure that like the social ramifications have been awful like the worst part of this for like the parents and besides the whole like you know federal indictment ship is that like, you know, it, it, you're immediately putting a lens on the bad behavior of everyone around you. Yeah. And so, like, I'm sure there's people in Malibu that won't fuck with them simply because they made their chances of getting caught for the same type of behavior that much worse, you know? And it goes deep, man. Like, Jared Kushner, they think, is tied into this and his Harvard acceptance and all that shit. Like, well, the Jared Kushner thing was more of uh, the dad paying like an exorbitant donating a lot of money to Harvard right before Jared got it. Oh, I thought they were saying that this I think that there was another thing. I might be wrong, but I thought that there was another claim saying that like it might have even been also like some oh, under the table stuff oh, okay. like he could have been from one of the earlier classes of because this has been going on for like a decade or something. Yeah. So there's a lot of people, probably a lot of prominently, you know, prominent people that were a part of this. I do wonder, though, about the grades because like, you know, like this situation is obviously very different. There was no money involved. But like I had to earn every single grade I got in college. Like there was no graces for being John McAleer's granddaughter. My grandfather taught there for like 50 years. Like, there was no graces for that. Like, I had to do all the homework, all the tests. Like, my grades weren't always that great. And, like, it was because I was expected to work hard. I don't know how these people, like, was there, like, are they saying there's some sort of collusion with the teachers as well? Because, like, it seems like once these people get in, they still graduate, right? Yeah. I'm not sure. But isn't that, like, expression is, like, what do you call uh, med school students with Ds? Doctors? Yeah. (laughs) Like yeah, it might be something like that. It also might be a little bit of grade grade inflation at play. Um, yeah, oh sure. So I don't know. I mean, they were paying proctors to take their SAT scores. So like, where does it stop? But like, how do they? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, like, but it's just like how, how many they continue to be fully matriculated college students for four years if they couldn't even because like SAT? every teacher would have to like in some on some level like unless it was the rare subject that they excelled at. Every teacher at some level, that like that's an official process of like entering a grade into like a school computer and like having that appear in your transcript. That's like from my memory of it was like a sacred process when they like enter your grades. So because they can't be changed, you know, so that I I do wonder like. They could have just been D students, all of them. Sure, exactly. Sure. And then, but then part of me is also like, some people are built for college and not high school. Maybe these people were poor high school students and then good and very. I was great. I was much better in college than I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was so much of it was essay based mm-hmm. instead of like stupid Scantron multiple choice bullshit. Yeah. 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 Um, but. That is some interesting tea. It's hot and fresh. And that said, I feel like that could be a jumping off point for other people in Please Advise Nation who have their own tea and maybe are doing a little bit of connecting work at home. 
So whether we read it on the air or off the air, you guys, you know we're invested in this. We will keep an email anonymous. Christina runs the email, and Christina's a fucking vault. So (laughs) there's a chance that I might not even get to see it. So don't worry about your emails being forwarded or some shit like that. If you have have tea, like two password protection services. Yeah. So spill spill the tea. Secure. Spill the tea to us, and we will and make sure you mention whether or not you want us to share it. But uh. I want to know because I bet there's a lot of mental connections for things that are firing up for people out there who like went to school with someone and they're like, how the fuck did they get into Harvard? Like, how the fuck? Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I love that. Do we have any more calls? That's it. Ah, you guys, that was episode 191 of Please Advise. We are a lot closer to 200 than I thought. Anyway, you guys, we've had a fun episode. There's been tears. There's been laughs. There's been wine. There's been tea. There's been everything. Accents. Accents. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I love bringing in some sweet tea to oh y'all. You guys, if you want to like, please encourage Chris. Chris Alfaro, is that what you are on Twitter? Yeah. 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 Follow like- her. Follow her on, on. yeah, Christina, like that I was your first stuff, taste so. of it. And you haven't even seen the whole thing. This is just like the fancy, like, this is Chris is like just doing the voice. Like it is the most, it's such a spectacle. It's so special. I feel like I've talked this up so much. You really have. Fucking set up a GoFundMe, girl. Like set up a Patreon because Please Advise Nation will have your back after this. Oh my God. Thank you. Um, But I really do think that it would be really fun if we did a small live show and had Chris like open for us or be a guest as fancy. Yes. (gasps) Yes. Tea. I would, I would, I would t- advise us. Yeah, no, that's what she does. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God, I would love that. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Okay, I like this idea. That would even be like a fun idea if we just had like an occasional segment where Chris answered and like a call <laughs> like via voicemail and just sent us the voicemail <laughs> yeah. as fancy. Yeah. That would be fabulous. Guys, 323-450-7408. Give us a call. We take your calls at all times, any time of the day. It goes to a voicemail machine. You can also email voice notes to askbeesadvice at gmail.com. Christina, you're the best. Wags, you're the best, Miles. You're getting better. And Chris, thank you so much. Like, you're just beyond, beyond, beyond. Go it check Chris out. It was my pleasure. Thank Chris you so much. Al- it was an honor. Okay, I love you guys. Bye.